Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. <laughs> I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't it's care a lovely song. <laughs> this puts me in the mood. I think I prefer the original. Eh, just wait. It picks up a little bit here okay. in a minute. It's freaking hot in here tonight. I'm sweating. There we go. <laughs> what a great time to be alive. Wouldn't you agree, Shoots? That, that, that beginning was a little slow for my taste. I told you it was going to pick up. <laughs> oh, man. This is episode 110, if you can believe that. Holy schmoly. How did we make it this far? Safety apparel, safety sharing, other things to worry about. What did you come up with? Gift wrapping and lifting tips for the busy elf. Perfect timing. Yes. Uh, the best. Way to wrap your gifts are standing. Have somebody else do it. Exactly. <laughs> Carrie does it all. The lovely Carrie handles it. I I use way too much paper, way, way too, too much, much tape. tape. It's oh. it's a it's a show and she's just like, let me do it. You think we would be good at it? <laughs> no. But not I, at all. I, I thought I think I used to be good at it and I just have gotten worse as I've gotten older. Maybe it's because I can't see. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> well, the best practice for wrapping presents is standing using a work service that is thirty six to forty two inches high. A kitchen bar, island, folding table, etc. Provides a good height for working while standing. Standing allows you to move freely and avoid strains that can occur when overreaching. Uh, you want to avoid wrapping gifts on the floor. This puts excessive strain on your back and causes awkward reaching and sitting postures. You want to gather all your supplies and place conveniently nearby to reduce reaching. Basically, like, don't be old. Lift with your legs, not your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it depends what you got, though. Yes. Don't be a messy elf. Clean up as you wrap. That was the final part. That was a big part about getting unwrapping at home, right? We'd have the garbage bags out, and you unwrap and right into the garbage oh, bag. I'm like that. I Me mean, too. Exactly, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I can't stand if there's, like, wrapping paper from mm-hmm. freaking wall to wall in the house. Absolutely not. Or, like, little pieces of or like, tapes. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. No, I get the trash bag out before we even start opening I do too. presents. I do, too. And, like, gifts open, I'm right there with the trash bag. Yeah. Throw, throw the shit in. Throw it in. Yep, yep, right on. We're, we're keeping it light this year with Hudson. Good. Well, good. Because you're going on, on a trip. Yeah, exactly. It's so all about experience. Yeah. Experience over material. And, exactly. uh, and the kid's going with a bankroll, so he should be happy. Exactly. Good, well, good. he doesn't know about that, so hopefully he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> hey, <Exactly>. Hudson. <laughs> all right. Hey, great to be back in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. Man, we're freaking rolling, boys. That's all I got to say. Another great episode last week. Tons of traction on that one. This being our Christmas episode, we want to take just a few minutes for the annual geo. <laughs> Holics gift exchange. Uh oh. All right. So here we one. go. Real quick. PJ. Yes. This the, is most from, the most important man yes, in the start room. In the room. We'll start exactly. There. This is from Big Shoots. Awesome. And, and, and Delphi Dilf. All right. Here we go. He forgets his own name sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> or he avoids it. <laughs> oh, oh we got a little bit of fitness tech here. Uh oh. 
Looks like uh, so the new Apple Watch. New Apple uh, Watch. Look at that. That's pretty fancy. Absolutely. Thank you. So next time you go to the gym and you see D Hop, you'll have that. Yeah. You guys show can my uh, yeah my my heart rate. He's not going to be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely not. Definitely not. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You betcha. All right. That's all the work you put in for the year. Shoot. This just, one's wrapped pretty funny. Yeah, I, yes, I, I think it's a broom. I, I'm not sure. It's it's my Quidditch broom. It could be a. It's a Harry Potter broom. Could be a hoe. I, I am very excited about this. I what could it be? It well, it's not much. what you think it is. How about that? It's. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wow! This is fancy. Wow. A little ping driver. Nice. Actually. With the leather, leather cover too. Exactly. Beauty. Oh Beauty. man, I'm gonna have all the G's. I think it's no, that's I a think big it's, driver. Uh, that's a G425 right there, boys. I believe it's Max. stiff flex. Stick flex. Stiff? Yes. Perfect. What did I say? Stick? Stiff, stiff stick. Same it's got thing. the forged face. Yep. I'm excited. It's, it's the uh, the Viagra model. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's your turn. Here we go. <laughs> oh, guys, what? You shouldn't have. What is this? <laughs> you shouldn't have. Oh, you my shouldn't God. have. <laughs> I'm the worst present getter, I swear to God. Oh. oh. Here we are now See just talking here. about our wrapping paper, and now we got wrapping now, paper everywhere. Yeah, all this studio wrapping paper. Oh, my goodness. Is it a bread oh, box? So cool. Thank you, guys. It's remarkable. Do you guys know you what You've seen those? Yes, yeah. it's awesome. Super cool. New generation right iPad. And, exactly. Oh, so now you man. can keep all your show notes on there? Absolutely. I'm going to Write them by that. hand. Can you write them big enough? I doubt it. <laughs> Hopefully there's a Zoom function on this. Exactly. And it came from DHL. Best international shippers, my understanding. From my understanding. Just don't tell PETA. I'll <laughs> <laughs> find out soon enough. All right. Thank you guys so much. Merry yeah, Christmas. No, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, guys. Merry good Christmas. job. Great job. Solid this year, year, boys. Yeah. Thank you for everything, guys. It's been we've a done, We've done some good work here. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. With that, <laughs> we do have one friend of the program opportunity left for 2022. So if anybody's interested in being a friend of the program, aka sponsor of the Geoholics, send me an email. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. We will get you all the information you need to make that happen. Absolutely. Um, other than that, let's move on. PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right. Yeah, that was My Chemical Romance. All I want for Christmas is you. Um, My Chemical Romance is an American rock band from Newark, New Jersey. The band's current lineup consists of lead vocalist Gerard Way, lead guitarist Ray Toro, rhythm guitarist Frank Lero, and bassist Mikey Way. Uh, MCR, as their diehead diehard fans like to call them, have been credited with helping to popularize the emo style of music, a shop subgenre of punk rock fusing confessional lyrics and punk aggression. I have no chemical romance story. I call them crybabies. I'm not even a fan, to be honest with you, but I like that song. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. You like that? That was sneaky, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is a nice change of pace from the Mariah Carey version I've heard about. But you still get a little bit of taste times. of it in the you beginning. Do. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Win-win. Shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program. Who do we have this week, Shoots? I don't know. Should we talk about this guy? Uh, let's give him one more plug. All right. Diamondback Land Surveying, Mr. Trent Keenan. Diamondback Land Surveying <laughs> provides complete surveying, mapping, and construction staking solutions for residential, commercial, and public work projects. Diamondback Land Surveying is a firm made up of highly skilled professional land surveyors with over 200 years of experience in the public land survey system and construction surveying. Their survey teams take great pride in being professionals in all aspects of their work and emphasize on-time service that maintains an excellent reputation in the construction and development communities by consistently providing top-notch service to their clients. 
www.diamondbacklandsurveying.com. They are dedicated to building and maintaining an excellent reputation. Shoot, you're damn near a pro. I feel like I've done this once or twice. <laughs> All right, Trimble Geospecies. Blah, blah, blah. We got to say, though, Trent Keenan, the hell man. of a guy. Absolutely. Merry Absolutely. Christmas, Trent. We are in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio, one of the most generous people I know. World traveler. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Up and down that and California coast. Yeah. If and a coach. If you're not his friend on Facebook, you should be. Yes. Because you'll find out the guy's everywhere. You'll find out about yeah. Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm. Metallica. He was Metallica in Metallica San Francisco. Jeez, good to be Trent. Yeah. No, it's not bad being him. All right. Time for the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. I got two quotes here. I liked them both. They're both holiday related. Shoots, you can definitely appreciate this one. There are three stages of a man. Are you ready? Okay. He believes in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. He does not believe in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. He is Santa Claus. Mm. <clears throat> ah. That's deep. That is really deep. You got That's me deep. on that last one there. Yeah, yeah. Did it, uh, you got all choked up, didn't ah, you? You got me. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Here's my other one that I really appreciated. Santa Claus is anyone who loves one another and seeks to make them happy, who gives himself by thought or word or deed in every gift that he bestows. Wow. Two. We're all Santa Claus. Oh, let's get a little going, sappy there. Going huh? deep on these <laughs> ones. All right. Feeling good. Feeling aye, good. Aye, aye. With that, catch up with the boys. PJ, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good. I uh, made doing a little bit of it. doing well? I'm doing well. Okay. Gosh, I, we even went over this before the show. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Lovey Carey, if you're listening. We'll, um, we'll keep you around. Uh, no, I'm, I made a little bit of an investment this last week. Uh, I'm entering the NFT space. So we talked about blockchain a little bit on one of the other episodes, and this is like something that's been in the news kind of a lot. So I kind of just wanted to get my feet wet on it. I bought one of these three little silly pictures of these monkeys. I'm holding on to them. I don't know where this is going to go, either a million dollars or zero dollars. So it's interesting. This stuff is, I mean, if you would have talked about this stuff a couple of years ago, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so it just makes me think where this is even going to be headed with blockchain and, and currencies and these NFTs and everything. But uh, maybe we'll post a picture of them or something. No, we there will for go. sure. Yeah. yeah. Like we Super discussed cool. it earlier, though. As soon as uh, the lovely Gary gets a job and I got expendable income, Jake is my finance manager. There you yeah, go. That might be a b- bad move. <laughs> Let's give it some time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me get my track record here. Let's see how this works get, out. Get some returns under my belt and then we'll so, talk about like, that. Do you print them out and put them in frames so you can at least display them? Or how- I mean, I guess you could. You could do whatever you want with them so interesting yeah i probably wouldn't want to but why not you'd be proud it's just like this stupid little monkey with a crown and a cigar in his mouth so weird i know it's it's super weird biggie Biggie hey waka flock of flame owns one of them so i don't even know who that is (laughs) old rapper he's He's an old rapper he's a rapist yeah (laughs) oh my god but anyway that's enough about my investment shoots how are you good luck Uh, with that pj thank you uh, that's exciting Uh, i completely do not understand that at all so i'm gonna steer clear of that i uh did a little traveling boys over the weekend yes you did went up to flagstaff yep and then i took a portal to the north pole oh yeah so you know they they get you on the bus and they rock it around a little bit and then all of a sudden you're at the north pole funny how that works huh went and saw the big guy himself he told hudson that he's on the nice list I of said, course, I is. said, check it again. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the but, best kid ever. How's uh, he not on the nice list? But uh, he's a desert baby for sure. Because literally, we park. It's like fifty feet to the hotel, right? Yeah. He puts on his jacket, his gloves, his hat, and everything <laughs> to walk the fifty feet. 
And it was like 50 out. It was... Uh, no, it was probably colder than that. It was that. like 29. Oh, that's pretty oh, cold, Oh, that's though. pretty cold. Yeah. That would have been a big... He's not used to that. No, it wasn't that cold. You don't want to catch a cold. He's yeah. a, like you said, desert baby. He's prepared. Yeah. So, no, it was a good time. We went up there. Unfortunately, I think that's probably going to be the last time we do that because uh, using your quote from earlier... He's entering stage two. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, it's a uh, rite of passage, as I say. Exactly. Yeah. So It happens. It's a sad well, time as a parent. I've been there twice. Uh, I think I probably shed a tear when that happened. Really? Yeah. And yeah. It, and he's a younger guy with older kids in his class, so I'm yeah. sure they're going to ruin it for him. <laughs> At least I don't have to do it. The, the, but you do save some money after that. Yeah? Yeah. No. Because, like, they're getting presents from Santa Claus and from Mom and Dad, and then, then it's just Mom and Dad after that. Uh, the lovely Carrie, she she had a plan from day one. He gets one present from Santa Claus, and then no matter everything what. else is from oh, us. Oh, I like that, actually. Yeah, yeah, so maybe we save one present, but yeah, I'm no, sure that's cool. still have that's his. That's awesome. She, she's a good parent. She really is. <laughs> she yeah. puts me to shame. Those teachers are good parents. <laughs> teachers are good parents. Exactly. Yeah. Can so. confirm. Can confirm. Uh, what about you? What would you do this weekend? Oh, this weekend. <clears throat> you know what? Um, I had I, I got allergy tested last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You sent the picture. It I was bad. crazy. I've been dealing with allergies. I can, I'm still hacking like every 10 <laughs> minutes right now, and it's in the middle of the winter. Um, I've been dealing with allergies for <coughs> 10 years, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> forever. And every year they get worse and worse. I never had them living in the Midwest, but here it's just not good for me. Is it like so, the dust and stuff? Or? Well, I went and got tested. They did like the 60 panel thing. So I'm, you know, laying on the on the bed and, you know, and they're doing the, injecting the 60 different things that they test you for. And so she does that. She walks out. She goes, I'll be back in 10 minutes. She comes back in 10 minutes. She goes, Okay, then. And I can't see what she's saying. <laughs> she goes, hand me your phone. You're going to want to see this. So I give her my phone. She takes a picture of my back and shows it to me. I'm like, holy <coughs> shit. I sent the picture to you yeah. guys. Yeah. And my back's itching like crazy, you know, by this point, you know. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm basically allergic to anything that grows and cats. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Anything that grows in cats. So, like, what, there was a couple on there that were, like, really... Do you know specifically what those... Yeah. Like, yeah. what are the... Like, like different kinds of, the like, top ragweeds and pollen and mesquite and everything that we have around here. So, what can... What do yeah. you... Can you do anything about it? Um, there are three options. You can... The first thing is uh, removal. So, basically, you remove yourself from the environment, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. Right? You move? You move. Yeah, okay. basically. You move to where the stuff isn't. Uh, the second thing is... Uh, you basically take allergy medicine, like I do now currently. You take a Zyrtec and Nasacort or whatever, and it's a Band-Aid. It's the Band-Aid solution. And then the last uh, option, which is what I'm going to do, is you take allergy shots. Mm, so, Like once a year? No, no. <laughs> it's like once or twice a week for like six months. Yeah, can they just increase what they you know inject into you? Basically, they're basically injecting into you mm. what you're allergic to and tricking your immune system to think that, hey, it's okay. Wow. So it's so a full shot, but on yep. steroids. Yep. So it's one or two shots a week, or and then after that you go like once a month, <laughs> um, or you do this thing. It's called like the rush, I guess, application or whatever. And you literally go and you sit in there for six hours, and they're just giving you shots all day long. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like the one you need to um, do. I think that's what I'm gonna do. So then you just sit in there and have terrible allergy allergies for six hours, they like your said, body's fighting yep. it. They said with that approach, of course, the side effects could be greater than if you just come in, you know, once or twice mm. a week. So of course, um, they're sure. pounding you. For yeah, six hours. for six hours, they're just injecting you stuff. So uh, 
I think I'm probably going to go on that route just because I don't want to go there every week for however. Yeah. Long, you know. Should we do a live show from there when you do your six, <laughs> my, six hours? My head swelled up like the size of a <laughs> yeah. basketball. Just keep talking. I can't breathe. Aren't even open. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on with this. Our guest this evening, we have Mr. Tom Hebert with us. A little bit about Tom before we get into this. He was born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I've actually spent a little time in my childhood. Uh, he's, he grew up in uh, Altoona, which is just outside side of Eau Claire, kind of a suburb, I suppose. <clears throat> Excuse me. He attended the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire twice. Any idea? Nickname for uh, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire? Um, Anybody? Go. Gophers. Not Blue, the Badgers. Blue Golds. <laughs> Blue Golds. Yes. Who doesn't know that? <laughs> what? So he, he was there once in 95 and again in 2020. In 2021, he transferred to the University of Wisconsin-River Falls. Go. Red Golds. No. Uh, Warriors. Falcons. Ah. <laughs> still a bird, still a bird. <laughs> Pursue a bachelor's degree in geology and field biology with the goal of a PhD uh, in paleontology, which is why we have him here this evening. He currently is a full-time student at River Falls, but also an amateur cartographer, paleontologist, and still owns his own insurance agency. Last but not least, his passions, of course, are paleontology and bringing more young people into the fields of earth sciences. Hmm. Tom, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I look forward to this and uh, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about uh, a little bit of the work that I'm doing and and uh, hopefully start a conversation. Heck yeah, we're going to have a great conversation. A little icebreaker real quick. You being in Wisconsin, here's the question. When was the last time you had a bratwurst? Ooh, Friday. <laughs> How about you? I think Who it was you? like we, we were grilling for like NFL opener week. So what, what beginning of the season, NFL oh, nice, season? We nice. got some, yeah. There you go. There you go. Within Shoes. a month. Within a month. Within a month. Whenever whenever the lovely Carrie goes out, Hudson and I eat bratwurst for dinner. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, for me, you guys aren't going to believe that's your thing. I'm making this up, but I we had bratwurst last night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Friday was soon. <laughs> oh, man. Well, good to have you, my friend. Look forward to this conversation. So let's kind of establish a foundation for the episode. Now, you were featured in a uh, X, I mean, I always get this wrong, Excite, which is what I typically say, article titled Breaking New Ground, I believe it was written by Jeff Thorson. And you, not only were you featured in this article, but your daughter as well. And the article, of course, talked about paleontology and the things that you're doing um, which we're super, super excited uh, to hear about as far as mapping these things. Talk just a little bit about the article and how it came to be. Um, well, it, it started off about a year ago, year and a half. Um, I was actually in class for a, a GIS class, and I was familiar with uh, the GIS program from my years of insurance of you know, verifying land records and things like that. Click on a parcel. It gives you all the information. Nice. And I sat there and said, well, why the hell can't I do this for dinosaur bones and put all this cool shit online? And so I sat there. So I called the chair of my department or emailed the chair of the department afterwards and said, hey, got any other students that might be interested in something like this? I said, it's just a little pet project, nothing serious. And then it turned into this full-blown research project and funding and, and equipment that needed to be purchased. And um the university was not all too excited to uh give a uh a student with no uh gis experience no gnss equipment experience 
you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars of equipment. Said, yeah, go have fun out in the field with no supervision and no idea what you're doing. Um, so it created some difficulties uh, at first with the project, but then I started. Uh, you know, I. I I'm kind of a, I think this will fit your audience. Well, I'm kind of a hold my beer and watch this kind of guy. Love it. Uh, go ahead and tell me I can't do something and I'll show you how to get it done. Yep. Um, so I just started calling manufacturers of GNSS equipment directly and saying, hey, this is Tom Hebert. I'm an undergraduate student and I'm uh, looking at doing some research and mapping out some dinosaur dig sites and making an interactive map available on ArcGIS. What do you got for equipment? What can you do to help me out? And uh, very fortunate that I had several conversations with uh, several manufacturers and hmm. uh, one of them really kind of stepped up to the plate and, and really threw the weight of their entire company behind my project. So, wow. Who was that? It's okay to say it. Uh, Carlson Software. Carlson. Ah, good oh, guys yeah, yeah. out there at Carlson. Yeah, I know those guys at Carlson, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. I was, I'm use gonna, it daily. I You do as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've used it. I used it since 1991, I think, I started using Carlson. The, not only is it a great platform, you know, as far as the software goes and the hardware, if that matters, but they're just good people over there at Carlson. Yeah, the, the support that I've gotten from Carlson is second to none. I mean, it's just... Um, you know, it started off with me leaving a, a voicemail for Todd Carlson right at the company headquarters. Yep. And within 24 hours, I had a phone call from a gentleman named Lad Nelson, oh, yeah. who's the area rep, mm -hmm. uh, lives up here in Iowa by me. And uh, Lad and I just started having conversations about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and my vision. Awesome. And between Lad and, and the rest of the Carlson people, they stepped up with equipment. Hmm. Um you know, made it affordable for me to buy it because I bought it myself. I actually own the equipment now. Nice. Um, and so uh, the university wasn't too happy about that at the time. But, uh, you know, hey, you tell me, no, I'm going to go figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. Um, and lab support's been fantastic. He actually came out in the field and helped us set up the equipment, um, you know, locate the geodetic survey markers, walk the equipment in to get a fixed location. And, um, yeah, Without Carlson, I firmly believe that this would have never gone anywhere. Wow, that is a we, great plug. I was going to say we don't want to make it a Carlson commercial or anything, but seriously, you know, they that's have, so awesome. They haven't sponsored the program yet. Yet, we'll <laughs> but be no, out. they they are. Uh, I'll work on it for you guys. I'll <laughs> lean on them a little bit when I'm done here, saying, "Hey, you guys need to really get behind this program. Like, they have kick-ass guests like me on here. You got to get behind this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are users of it, and and they are reasonably priced. That's, oh, for sure. That's yeah. the best part about them. Yep. They really are a value. Software, yeah, and the one thing that Tom mentioned that I have always said their their tech support is second to none, mm. absolutely phenomenal. Okay, let's move on from the Carlson Group hug. All right, and uh, before uh, before we bring your daughter into the conversation because it's it's so cute and it's just really cool, you know how you got her involved. How the heck did you? Where did the passion for paleontology come from? Uh, and actually, it's a great lead in, into the story about my daughter. Um, it was about ten years ago. Um, my youngest daughter, uh, her mother and I were getting divorced, which uh, I don't recommend for anybody. Uh, keep her happy. Don't go through it. It's a horrible, horrible situation. Um, but it was really tough. And uh, my two daughters, I have an older daughter um, who's 26 now. And my youngest one is 17, soon to be 18. Wow. And um, I looked at them and said, hey, you get one week in the summer this year. Anything you want to do with dad, don't care what it is. Just name it. 
And, you know, my oldest daughter is a huge country music fan. She's like, let's go to the country fest over in Kadat, which is a little town just yeah. outside of here, four-day country music drinking festival. Yeah. And I'm not a big country music fan, but I'm like, all right, I said anything, I guess we'll go. Yeah. And uh, so we went and had a good time. And I looked at my youngest and I said, how about you? And I'm like, come on, Hawaii, come on, Europe, somebody <laughs> name something cool. Hey, Dad, can we go dig dinosaurs? Wow. I- I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that, but uh, let me see what I can do. And I fired up the old Google machine yep. and uh, found a, a paleontologist out in South Dakota, a huh. uh, fine gentleman named Walter Stein and his company, Paleo Ventures, uh, actually took us out and uh, absolutely fell in love with it from day one. Huh. Um, the, my daughter and I went out for a couple of days and been going every summer ever since. And uh, so really, it is com- by complete accident that I even got involved in paleontology. Hmm. I got so many questions. <laughs> me too. Um, so shoot away, shoot away. I thank my ex-wife every day for the divorce now because it got me into this field. So, <laughs> so insurance—that's a hell of a business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question is, um, what is the difference between paleontology and archaeology? Uh, archaeology deals with more civilization type structures, uh, uh, buildings, um, civilization sites where paleontology is, is ancient life. Mm, gotcha. Specifically, uh, different animals uh, are from, uh, and then there's branches of paleontology with paleobotany and things like that where you get into ancient plant life. And so. Huh. So when you set out on one of these expeditions, how the hell do you know where to start? Well, I've been very lucky that um, the gentleman I work with out in South Dakota, uh, Walter, uh, already has a very well-established dig site, so I really didn't have to look hard for it. You just kind of go there, and there they are sticking out of the wall, uh, ready for you to work on, generally speaking. Hmm. Um, But I did have the good fortune last year of working on some new ranches and looking for new dig sites. And it really starts off with a study of the stratigraphy uh, and the lithology, looking at geologic maps of the area, uh, looking at what the bedrock formations are, uh, age of the age of the the dirt, so to say, um, hmm. and what could possibly be there. Um, so it's a lot of reading and studying maps to kind of narrow down locations. Hmm. And then it's for me, it's it's physically going out there and and walking around. I mean, I was on a fourteen thousand acre ranch and wandered around for a week trying to find places to look. So wow. Yeah, it's not like they have like it's not like you have a metal detector. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they have a fossil detector. <laughs> Bone detector. <laughs> not not yet. I'm working on it. There you go. I, I got a couple <laughs> ideas I'm studying right now that we might be able to pull something cool out. But, uh, well, like I said, ground penetrating radar and stuff. What about a witching yeah. rod? A witching rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A witching rod has been tried and has worked on occasions. Wow. Uh, GPR. Yeah. The problem we have, like specifically in the in the, the, the geological formation that I work in, which is the Hell Creek Formation up in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming, is it's very heavy in iron. So the GPR picks up the <coughs> iron concretions in the ground, just the same as the fossils. So it's Got basically it. useless uh, to it. us there. But the, it it has been known to work in other formations that aren't as iron rich. Yep. So is it safe to assume that? certain regions of the country are more fruitful for finding these things than others? Yes. I mean, you look at um, like the great state of Wisconsin, we got a lot of beer and cheese, but no dinosaurs. 
Um, thank you, Ice Age, for wiping them out. You guys were awesome. You know, um, there is. Uh, so you gotta look and see where the, the the rock record has been preserved long enough to have hmm. fossil specimens in it. Um, and then it, it it boils down to a lot of lucky circumstances for us, not so much the animal. You know, it's got to die. It's got to be buried very, very quickly um, to prevent any kind of oxygen and decay from getting to it. Uh, then it's got to be uh, lithified, and then you have replacement. You get into some chemistry where the calcium is replaced with iron or magnesium or something else. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so just the right conditions. So, yeah, there are. Uh, certain areas of uh, uh, the United States um, that are better than others. Gotcha. What about globally? Uh, globally, uh, dinosaurs are found everywhere. Um, uh, they just found one actually in Greenland, first one ever. Wow. Um, so they have been found everywhere. Uh, Ice Age materials found all over as well. Um, actually going to be going out to a site in Minnesota this year to uh, map um, an Ice Age bison. Hmm. Uh, which would be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, China has a huge, uh, massive plethora of, of fossils. Wow. Um, it, it seems like every day I turn around, they're finding something new and cool in China. Um, South America has some of the biggest uh, dinosaurs on the planet that they find uh, massive sauropods, you know, six, eight, ten school buses long. Um, you wow. know, the, 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 the vertebrae itself is about six feet tall at the centrum. So it's bigger oh, than I am okay. tall. Um, and it's just, um, I have not had the good fortune of working anything that large yet, but, uh, if anyone is listening and is willing to invite me, I'm more willing to go and dig. So, um, but yes, they've been found pretty much everywhere. So cool. What is the, like, like the, the size projects that you've worked on, how long does something like this take? I mean, I have to imagine from like how it's portrayed in movies and stuff, it's a pretty slow patient process. Yes. Um, literally when, when I'm out at a dig site, uh, my, my basic tools are a three inch, a two inch and a one inch paintbrush, uh, an exacto knife and about four different sets of dental picks and a bottle of glue. Um, (laughs) so they are very fragile. It is very time consuming. Um, I, I know your listeners can't see the picture behind me on the wall, but, um, you know, to dig out, say you have a, a six inch, T-Rex tooth, um, probably take you anywhere from three to six hours to fully exhume that from the ground. Wow. So what do you listen to music or like you're, you take some time, right? So you got to, or do you just like sitting there viewing the fossil? Usually I like viewing the fossil. It's truly one of the most intoxicating moments of my life mm. is when I'm brushing that, the, the sand away and the sediments come away and all of a sudden you see um, the different color or the shine of the fossil coming through the sand and you're like, Oh, what the hell is this going to be? Oh, how big is it going to be? Holy shit. Is this going to be a new dinosaur? Did I just find something new? Did I just change history? And that excitement just keeps you you going. And, um, and then that excitement just keeps going after you have it exhumed. And for me anyway, you know, the first time I I take it out and hold it in my hands and go, Holy crap. I'm the first person on planet earth to ever hold this thing. It's this like, is the first time this fossil's ever seen the light of day, ever. Wow. Because when this animal died, it was covered in skin and muscle still. This bone never saw the light of day. Now it's in my hands and I'm holding it. And not only that, I might be only one of like five people in the world that ever holds this specific type of specimen. Um, that's and, and that's just exciting and keeps you going when, 
you're sitting there all day and it's 125 degrees out and you got a 30 mile an hour wind sandblasting you. Um, so, um, generally, no, I don't listen to much music when I'm out there. Um, usually have some other people and we, we laugh and screw around and have a good time and, um, and, uh, just enjoy the, the, the beautiful surroundings we're fortunate enough to work in. That was yeah. such a good answer. I was going to make the joke that he listens to the Jewholics. <laughs> yeah, no, I look well, at well, you know I, when I when I, I have downloaded all the episodes now, so I, I might, or I'll just bring you guys out there and let you broadcast live from the Dake site. Oh my God, what we, a great live we show! Would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, careful what you wish for. We always tell people. <laughs> so when I all hear, right, I always tell everybody I hit a margarita machine in the sand. If you dig fast enough, you might find there you it. Go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll bring the uh, mellow corn. <laughs> so when I listen to your stories and the passion and like, I can just tell like the adrenaline's like running as you're telling these stories. And I mean, I, I, I have nothing to compare that to, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, finding something for the first time, you know, being one of five people that may ever touch this. Thing. I'm thinking about like an old survey monument, you know, mm-hmm. that is out in the middle of freaking nowhere that <laughs> maybe five people have ever been to before, you know, and that's like the only thing I can have for comparison, but what a feeling well, that's got to be. And actually I found one of those this summer. Uh, actually, at my uh, dig site, we went uh, the geodetic marker we found was from uh, 1951. Nice. Um, all the original debris was up there still from when they put the marker. And it was so oh, cool wow. holding that stuff going, wow, this is literally 70 years old right yeah. now this year. Yep. And that was probably the last time somebody's ever been up on top of this butte to actually use this marker for anything was 70 years ago. <laughs> Crazy, right? So you've added a whole nother dynamic to, you know, these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expeditions, let's say. Mm-hmm. You have a mapping component to this now, and you're building a GIS-based map of paleontological digs. That was a mouthful. <laughs> talk well about, done. Well done. Talk. It took me four years of college to pronounce that word once. <laughs> you should have went to SIU. Um, Those Salukis. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about how that came about, and like how far-reaching has this GIS-based map you're creating? Uh, talk about you know how, where it's going. Um, you know, I, I, the response that I've had to has been um, uh, very overwhelming. Um, I did the research. I went and did a presentation actually at the GSA conference up in Portland this year uh, on the actual map um, and showing what it did and. Uh, the response I've had has just been insane. I've had phone calls from all over the world um, asking me to come and work on things, uh, projects as far away as Columbia, uh, potentially working on the Chicxulub crater, um, down the Yucatan. Uh, I've had some uh, preliminary interest in coming out and mapping actually an archaeological site down in California, um, a sauropod out in Utah, Um just, yeah, I, it, it's been insane the amount of reaction I've gotten to this, to just a silly little idea of, I really just wanted to make the map for my own use yeah. so I could do better research um, with the ArcGIS program and the database underneath. Mm-hmm. I could sort my data faster. I could correlate specimens together easier going, okay, these specimens are very similar condition. They're on same general elevation, same latitude. You know, is this a, a, a disarticulated skeleton? Um, what can we learn from this? Uh, as well as it allowed me to start cataloging different pathologies. Um, you know, like when we find, a, say, a triceratops femur, you know, we visually inspect the fossil and go, okay, oh, look at that. There's there's tooth marks all over this thing. This thing was <laughs> dinner. Um, wow. 
you know, I can now put that into a cell on the database and say I have ArcGIS and now I can go to the map and go, show me all the specimens we found with teeth marks in them. And now it'll visually show me on the map and then I can click on each one of those points on the map and it'll actually bring up a picture of the specimen. I can look at it on the computer screen and go, okay, let's look at the bite pattern. Um, you know, what can we learn from this? Uh, so it, it, the response has been crazy and the opportunities uh, literally met with a museum today that's very interested in working with me and creating a, a, a virtual exhibit inside the museum oh, wow. uh, using the data from the map and creating a, a VR type solution or potentially even augmented reality using the data. <laughs> that's awesome. To actually have a, a as close to real life dig experience inside of a museum that we can get. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's getting me really excited. Um, I just think that would be so cool to be able to bring people into the museum and go, okay, this is what a dig site looks like. And then the beauty is, is with the, with the Carlson software, it actually talks through Bluetooth through my phone, through the GIS collector app. Mm. It actually populates the map as I'm going, uh, almost real time. And so that's exciting that we're talking about putting that into a museum where people can actually follow in real time what's going on on a dig site every day. Wow, that's so cool. Hey, just think about it. Someday somebody could be digging and all of a sudden they're like, Big Shoots is femur. <laughs> <laughs> or is, they won't know it's mine. I was dinner for Jake. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. Um, so I know you've got some other things in the works here that you definitely want to talk about. My one, Another question I have is like, this it's got to cost money to do this. Where, where is the funding coming from to allow you to, you know, do these different things? Um, a, a good majority of my funding has come from my own pocket. Um, I'm paying for it mostly myself. Um, I did receive some grant money from the GSA, uh, as well as some from the Paleo Society. Uh, hmm. Also, uh, some grant money from both University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and the University of Wisconsin River Falls. Um, currently looking at some larger grant funding opportunities uh, in conjunction with some of these projects with the museums, uh, potential NSF grants, larger federal money, get some more teams out uh -huh. um, and get as much data as we can put in there uh, to preserve uh, the science and context of the locations, but as well as the actual specimens. I mean, um, the sooner we get them out of the ground and in a museum, the sooner they're not destroyed by mother nature. Sure. Yeah, no, really good point. Um, do you have like a, like a GoFundMe or anything like that where people can donate if they'd like? Uh, you know, I'm actually talking to my wife about that, that just the other day going, should I start a GoFundMe page? Who knows? I mean, somebody might read it and go, hey, let's give this guy some money. Let him go do something cool with dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, uh, I've thought about it. I really haven't uh, finalized it yet. Mm -hmm. um, not really sure the best direction to go with that. I've looked at that. There's also a couple other websites out there that are specifically designed for funding scientific research mm -hmm. um, that I've looked into. I've reached out to specific foundations um, that are out there about applying for funds. Um, and actually one of the other research projects I'm working on actually has the USGS actually getting involved in talking about helping with some grant funding as well for some other stuff. Wow. That's awesome. Well, if you, if you do start that GoFundMe, maybe be sure to let us know. We'll, we'll get it out there and help you out a little bit for sure. Free plug. Don't oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so back to the GIS based map, the, the, the digs that you're documenting, um, are they just your digs or are you taking other digs from around the world and adding them to this map? Uh, ultimately that would be my ultimate goal is to, to integrate as many locations as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think it would be uh, paramount to better understanding of the ecological environment at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can get a global picture created rather than um, all these individual locations kind of keeping to themselves, it's the one uh, downside to paleontology is the, the secrecy of which we keep our dig sites. Um, Mm. You know, we don't want to let everybody know where we're digging. We don't really want to let everybody know what we're finding. Mm. Uh, One, there's a lot of people out there that will go and raid your sites and, and either steal your specimens or destroy them. Sure. Um, Two, a lot of them uh, could be potentially on federal or state owned lands. And now you need special permits to go there. Um, And then the rest are on private ranches. And a lot of these landowners, um, you know, are allowing us out there either for science or for, for money. Um, and so it, it really opens up that ranch to being, you know, burglarized for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the really hard part is trying to get everyone to, to buy into the idea of let's share our data. Um, the good news is, is we can apply different algorithms into the mapping mm-hmm. so we can give you a false location um, so the actual coordinates we give you are not actually where it is. I'll put you out in the middle of the frozen tundra of Siberia yeah. um, and tell you that's where I was digging. And the truth is, is I'm somewhere in the state of Wyoming for, you know. <laughs> um, so I think it would be great if we could get more sites into it um, and get all that data uh, working together to draw a better environmental picture of the time. Uh, so we can have a better picture of not just 65 or 70 or 240 million years ago, but how does that relate to our ecology and environment today? And what can we do to better our situation currently for the planet uh, moving forward? Wow. Um, so what, like, why did you think this effort was important? What, like, what drove you to do this? Well, I think the biggest thing that kind of to, that drove me to do it was the, the process to of finding a fossil, documenting it, um, and then correlating multiple years of data together to create and publish papers and get information out to the scientific community and the public as well is a very lengthy process right now. It's huh. years. Um, and ultimately, that was my biggest goal was, is how can we speed this up? And through the the mapping and curating right at the site in what's called in situ while it's sitting in the ground and being able to have that in a searchable sortable database inside of a mapping software like ArcGIS, I can now take and look at specimens from, you know, once we have, you know, four or five, six years worth of data mapped out, I can now go and look at that data and go show me all the triceratops we found in the last five years. <laughs> Great. Cause the time it takes me, you know, I'll say um, a good example is last, not last summer, summer for a uh, paleontologist I worked with started digging out a triceratops hip. It's about eh, two, two meters long, about five feet, six feet uh, <laughs> long. Was unable to finish exhuming it before winter came. So covered it in plaster, hit it, buried it up. We'll come back and get it next summer. Um, very common in the paleontological world that you don't necessarily always get everything out before mother nature stops us from digging. Mm. Um, And this allows us to then look at and go, okay, I found this specimen two years ago over there, but now I have precise data that I can look at and go, well, it's on the same elevation. It's in the same lithology. It's in the same stratigraphic unit. Um, Maybe it is related to this other specimen we found this year from the same species now I can get that data to talk to each other in seconds rather than months and months of 
research, looking through old paper field logs and praying to God, I can still read my sloppy handwriting in the field or <laughs> didn't spill coffee on it or yeah. who knows what. Um, so that was really the main driving force behind it was to just try and expedite the process to get this out to scientists and the public as fast as possible. Gotcha. Um, you got something? No, I was going to say it's like survey field notes. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I'm just curious, like how many hours a week do you spend, you know, pursuing this dream and plotting out the future? Is it a full-time job? Is it 10 hours a week? I mean, what, what do you, what does that look like? Um, it, it varies by season during the summer. I will generally spend, uh, school gets done beginning, middle of May. doesn't start again until September 1st. Uh, those months I am gone. Uh, my wife and kids don't see me unless they come out and visit. Um, generally 12, 14 hour days are not uncommon. Um, five, six days a week. I usually try and take at least one day to kind of recover a little bit because it is hot and it's hard work and it's a lot of walking. And um, so, yeah, during the summer, it's a very full-time job during the school year. I probably am putting in still 15 to 20 hours a week oh, well. uh, on various aspects of uh, the project and the research um, as well as working on other research topics. And uh, now I'm partnering up with a couple of museums in the area, uh, the Science Museum of Minnesota I'm working with, as well as the Weiss Museum with the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh on uh, working with them for exhibit creation, things like that. So um, getting pulled in about 472 different directions. Um, and it's awesome. And I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's very exciting right now. So what, what, what's the next location you're targeting? I know in your uh, bio, you mentioned something going on in the state of Wyoming. Yeah, uh, actually, as a result of my presentation at the GSA, uh, the regional paleontologist from the Bureau of Land Management, Wyoming, actually approached me um, and asked me to apply for a permit to work out on federal lands uh, to start capturing this data for the BLM. And the, uh, BLM has a big push right now into geospatial data. Uh, and this kind of ties in really well with what their focus is um, and getting this information is available to the public as soon as possible. Uh, hopefully, want to encourage more research and more discovery uh, of what's out there. Um, and two, hopefully, at least in my mind, help mitigate some of the, the illegal activities that are occurring on BLM land. Mm. Um, if people know we're out there and we're mapping this information out there, they may be hopefully a little less likely to go out and um, steal things that could be, you know, change our entire perception of the world. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. It's such a grander scheme than I'm used to thinking of. <laughs> it really is, no doubt. Um, what was my, where was I going? And, and selfishly, yeah. it's just really cool, um, you know, to be an undergrad student without a PhD and have an opportunity to go work on BLM land. It's usually not something that, you know, you usually have to have a PhD in a university and an entire you know institution behind you. So it's extremely humbling and flattering yeah. to even be able to have this opportunity. Um, so it, it's really exciting. I can't wait for summer. I, I'm just, I'm sitting here in Wisconsin <laughs> at 13 degrees going, this sucks. I want to go dig. Let's go for a walk. I want to go dig. That's awesome. <laughs> are you, are you like scanning any of this stuff you find? You know, I mean, obviously you have like LIDAR on, you know, Apple phones now or smartphones in general. I mean, are, are you scanning this stuff as well? Uh, we're actually going to be integrating and looking at LIDAR as well as photogrammetry this summer, hmm. um, and adding in a, a, the three dimensional capacity, um, my ideal situation would be doing multiple LIDAR scans, one at the beginning of a season, 
Um, and then one at the end of the season to kind of show the progression of how far we've actually moved inside of the, the, the mountain or, or butte that we're digging in. Um, so we can get an idea of volume of material that's been moved, how fossil ferrous is the area, you know, uh, are we finding, you know, not that anybody cares. I just do it because I, I like to know that as far as, you know, are we finding a, a fossil on average every, you know, four centimeters or is it every six meters? And should we look at a different site that might have more material coming out of it, more fossil specimens to recover? Um, so, and then I'm starting to dabble with working with, uh, if you're familiar with XRF at all or lib scanning, um, starting to work with a little bit of that um, and scanning and getting elemental data from actual uh, fossils to see what kind of information we can pull from that. But I don't want to share too much on that one yet. That one's still, uh, still working on that. Uh, could change everything. It really could. There's wow. some big issues in paleontology that uh, there's a there's a giant pissing match in paleontology about different species. And is it a baby? Is it a, is it a full size? Is it an adult? Is it a juvenile? Um, and uh, working on a hypothesis about uh, bioaccumulation, biomagnification. And can I use that to prove that this is an adult of its own species versus a juvenile of a different species? So what does it take to call yourself a paleontologist? Like, are you like a hobby paleontologist? Are you a professional paleontologist? I'm just thinking like when I'm in a bar and somebody asks me what I do, if I say I'm a paleontologist, it might be much better than I'm a surveyor. You get a much hotter chick yeah. than a surveyor. But there are paleontology groupies out there. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm a joke, I kid. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting question because I've had the same question myself. At one point in my studies and in my mm. second career here do I actually call myself a paleontologist. Yep. Um, I consider myself an amateur paleontologist now until I actually finish my degree. Mm. Um, but technically I have been paid to go and dig um, and find specimens. So um, at that point, I guess I would become a professional paleontologist. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of um, great um, I hate to use the word amateur paleontologist because some sure. of the greatest discoveries in paleontology have been done by people with no degrees yeah. uh, and just have a true passion to go out and awesome. discover things. Yeah. Um, and uh, if it wasn't for that type of mentality and those types of people out there, I probably wouldn't even be here because those are the people that fostered me into going after this. Um, and I, I will always try and be that voice to encourage those people to continue doing that and bring as much as you can to to bear as far as specimens and research and inquiry. Um, so long answer to your, to your question, but yeah, I mean, I, I call myself a paleontologist um, because that's what I believe I do. And that's what I believe that, you know, I spend my time working on. Yeah. Well, as we're having this conversation, of course, my mind goes to like Indiana Jones type stuff, you know, <laughs> which I, I love all those movies. I'm like, oh, man, it'd be so cool to be a part I, of it. I have the hat. I have the brown hat. Oh, you do? Okay. I do look like Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> How do you find like the team that joins you on these expeditions? Is that is that a, is that a challenge? Uh, it can be. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate um, with being in school right now. I get access to a lot of great young minds. Um, and, uh, I've had a lot of really great young people, um, want to step up and learn about this, that weren't even aware that paleontology was an option. Mm. 
Um, and so it's been really fun to bring a lot of the, uh, my younger classmates along with. Um, but most people, when you say I dig dinosaurs, they quickly volunteer to go, hey, I, I'll, I'll go help. I'll go help. And I'm like, eh, let's talk about this for a second. Um, are you clumsy? Do you like to break stuff? Well, yeah, you know, my wife, I broke my wife. Okay, then you stay home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah, because if you turn um, my T-Rex skull into powder, you and I will have a problem. God, one of us imagine. will be leaving the dig site. The other one will become a permanent fixture. <laughs> we'll become a fossil. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> well, when you come out to Wyoming, um, you might have a, there might be a geoholics appearance there to help you out. You never know. Producer oh, actually, I'd love clumsy. to bring you guys out. That would be awesome. Um, I, I think it would be great that. to do a show from there. Um, it's actually something I talked to one of the museums about today was doing a, yeah. a, almost a Zoom type call from the field with kids at a museum and let them kind of direct me where to dig and, yeah. and you know, should we dig to the left or should we dig to the right? Yeah. Let's dig. To, all right. You guys want me to go to the right? We'll go to the right. Oh, and then show them what we find over there and kind of use it as an educational tool to teach them about, you know, sedimentology and lithology and, and paleo current fluvial flows and um, really kind of get them excited about earth sciences and keep them there because dinosaurs is a good hook, but we got to keep these young people involved in, in geography and geology and yeah. earth sciences. Um, and I think integrating technology into earth sciences is mm-hmm. one way to keep our hooks into them and, and keep them excited um, and keep them involved. Yeah. And to add a, you know, a serving component to that, I mean, by doing just that, it does introduce, you know, these kids to surveying ultimately, because mm-hmm. they're mapping this stuff now with, you know, GPS and other forms of, you know, other means of measurement. So yeah, for sure. We're all, you know, scratching each other's backs. No, no question. No question. I, and I wonder, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, I don't have, you have young kids, obviously, or young kids, one, one, one child that you know about, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, what are they getting taught this stuff? In grade no, school? I no. mean, when do they get introduced this in middle school, high school? I don't, I don't even know if they in, teach this stuff anymore. Hudson's in third grade, and he has not done touched any of this any stuff. Any type of this stuff. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and I, and I, I have three teenagers in high school, and with wonderful COVID and having them have in-home schooling virtually yep. and seeing the curriculum, I just shake my head and go, we're not teaching these kids a damn thing about the planet they live on, yeah. the environment that they're in. You know, um, you know, they go and look at Google Maps on their phone. I have no idea what the hell it takes to actually make that map <laughs> and, and how to use the equipment to get that point. They're just pissed off when it says, oh, it said I was three blocks away, but I was actually <laughs> six. But, yeah, that little dot that's on yeah. your phone is like approximately 21 feet across. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little off there, Timmy. Uh, Settle funny. your roll. <laughs> you know, use your brain. Take a look around and go, oh, yeah, obviously I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Uh, um, that's asking for a lot. Use your brain. It reminds me of the office <laughs> when they drive into the water. Hilarious. It's unbelievable how technology dependent <laughs> they have become. Mm. Um, but that's, it, it can be a good thing. You know, I'm finding these sure. young people that have that, that technology focus that I may not have that specific skill set because I wasn't born with a computer and an iPad in my lap. Yep. Um, I mean, my first TV was black and white. I remember when we got our first microwave, 
I remember my dad got his first cell phone, the big old bag phone in the car. I mean, um, and these kids were born with iPods and our uh, iPads and, and laptops and smartphones in their hands when they come out of the womb. Um, so we need that level of expertise and experience in the field, but it's how do we get them to apply that in the earth sciences field is the real question. Yeah. You know? And I think this is a unique way that we could take a, a, a science like paleontology or uh, archaeology or paleobotany or paleoecology and turn it into a geospatial career platform where we can get kids involved with the technology. Um, yeah, for sure. Like you said, those earth sciences are so important. And I just think there's there's a disconnect right now. There's a lack of no doubt about it. on that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. What happened to the days when, you know, it's just like, kid, you know, father and a son, here's a beer, here's a brat, there's some cheese curds, let's have a conversation. <laughs> this doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Hudson's a little too young for the beer. <laughs> no, not in Wisconsin. Not, the cheese <laughs> not in Wisconsin, he is. No, no, no. It's in their first baby bottle. <laughs> the brats and the cheese curd, I can handle with them. We could talk about it. Oh, man. So, like, I like I would love to see pictures of stuff that you've found and things that you're working on. Like, do you have, like, a social media presence or something? How can people find out more? Uh, I'm actually in the middle of developing the website for um, – the idea of actually uh, branded it as Fossilpedia, yep. basically an encyclopedia of fossils. Love it. Um, and working on getting that developed right now to allow that. Um, the map itself is online. If you know where to look for it, you could find it. Um, but it's kind of secret right now. Gotcha. Um, uh, until we work out some more kinks, uh, getting the photos to show up a little better resolution than what they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, the plan is to have more of a social media presence. Um, and, and a lot of this is really new to me because I was not anticipating this kind of response. Sure. To me, this started off as just a fun project for me to use on my own dig site and just keep track of the stuff I'm finding. And and now it's turning into something way bigger than me, which is awesome. And, and uh, but very humbling at the same time. And now it's learning how to have that social media presence and developing a good website and, creating a, a more visually appealing uh, product for people to interact with rather than just a boring, you know, GIS map. How do we get different raster layers in there and, sure. and make it more visually appealing and more interactive? So as I learn more and get more people involved with helping with those parts of the project, the more stuff that's going to be made available. Yeah. So basically what I'm hearing is we've got Tom on here be- just before he skyrocketed to start him. Yes. Yes. We're in the ground level here. Our, our claim to fame is going to be, we had that guy on before he was, uh, when he was an amateur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now before he was a real paleontologist, yeah. when yeah. he was an amateur. Yeah, exactly. I, I think yes. I have an idea, though, for his website to, like, boost it up or his social media. Okay. He needs a picture of, like, a chimp yep. with a crown and a cigar. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. I, see yeah, I, got an idea for that. I got just the guy for that. <laughs> Little NFT. I like it. Oh, wait. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting. Like, you know, fo- fossils. Like, what if, like, a picture of the fossil that you, like, you could NFT that, put it on the blockchain? Could you? Sure. Why not? <sighs> Dude, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> now we're I going, wish I knew what now we're going down the rabbit about. hole. <laughs> But I'm so Is that curious. even English? <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I know nothing of what you're speaking of. My oh, currency my is, you know, I know your listeners can't see, but, you know, 
It's like here, there's a nice T-Rex tooth <laughs> for you in my hands. Oh man, that's um, awesome. Yeah, that, that that's a currency more than gold right there. Is I would what we can learn from that. Unreal. As soon as he says blockchain, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, blockchain, isn't that what I tie my dog to outside the block and the chain so he can't run away? <laughs> yeah, I've done that a time or two. Um, All I can picture right now is Adam Sandler and the goat. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, old man, you really whipped that cinder block at me. You chipped my freaking horn. <laughs> So you got a knot there. You better not mention that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could go on all night. Right? Been a long day of drinking and kicking the shit out of me. <laughs> so what? Sorry, um, no, no, no. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Jake, where the hell are you? Bring this back together. Yeah, I'm supposed to be the structure here. The voice of reason. Yeah, he, he's busy on his new watch. <laughs> he's lost us. <laughs> so, what are you most excited about moving forward? I mean, whether it be like. What what's ideal five years down the road, ten years down the road, or next year for that matter? You, you know, I, I'm literally looking at it a summer at a time right now. Sure. Um, and I keep re- getting presented different uh, sites to work on, um, different types of technology to start integrating into the map. Um, I'm really excited about the geochemical and the elemental stuff and what we can learn from that because um, it could be really interesting. Um, capturing that data, um, you know, let's take it a, a weird, uh, let's say aluminum. Um, you know, we, we scan these fossils, we scan the, the matrix at, uh, around it. And now we're finding out that there's a lot of aluminum in these fossils for whatever reason. <laughs> what does that tell us about the environment? Uh, also, can so we track that? Um, you know, as mining becomes more difficult and rare earth elements are becoming harder and harder to, to mine and locate, you know, could this potentially be something silly that points us in the direction of saying, hey, wait a minute, we can track fossils by elements and it points us in a direction where there might be, you know, an aluminum deposit over there that's been leaching. And that's what went into these fossils 65 million years ago. Hmm. Could we find another, you know, deposit of aluminum? Hmm. Um, I, I don't know, um, but I'm really curious to see what that data can do for us. Um, so I'm really excited about that as well as the whole bioaccumulation, biomagnification of certain heavy metals and fossils. And what does that tell us about the, the growth stages of these animals? Hmm. Um, you know, if you think about fish these days, everybody's familiar with the, the mercury in fish. Yep. Um, you know, the smaller the bait fish, the less mercury, the bigger the, the predator fish, the more mercury because they've eaten all the <laughs> other little fish. And by the magnification now that can we use that same principle with dinosaurs going, okay, this baby T-Rex has way less mercury in it than the full grown adult T-Rex or they both these specimens have the same amount. So they're both adults. Um, can we do anything with that? So I'm really excited to kind of get to work on that and see what that tells us. Um, That's pretty excellent. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to get too crazy in the weeds on this, but I mean, in your opinion, what do you think happened to the dinosaurs? I mean, how did they become extinct? Was it, is this like a big bang theory thing or well, what happened? Well, based on the information that's out there, um, I, I absolutely subscribe to the theory of, of the Chicxulub meteorite mm. uh, hitting off of Yucatan and pretty much wiping out, uh, you know, life as we, as was known at that time. Mm. Um, there's just too much evidence um, scattered across the globe between the iridium layers and things like that um, and, and other things being found. 
uh, a recent paper just came out from a friend of mine, Robert DePalma, talking about uh, he actually could prove what uh, season it was when uh, asteroid actually hit. Well, um, uh, if you're bored, it, it's a really actually it's a really interesting paper about um, the time of year that it was based on the pollen and the spores that were in there. Um, and he actually found these things in North Dakota. So this meteorite hit with such force, it actually sent ejecta all the way to North Dakota. Hmm. From the Yucatan. Wow. Yeah. So when you have your your pick of the litter, so to speak, when you get approached by several people every summer, how do you pick which site you're going to go work on? Well, I'm going to call you guys from now on because I have no effing idea how I'm going to decipher this right now. <laughs> uh, I, I literally have a list of about... 60 to 70 different projects and places and things to work on. And I hate to say no to any of them because they all sound really, really cool. And almost like once in a lifetime opportunities, like, Hey, do you want to come to Southern California and map out an indigenous site for us? Um, Hell yeah. That's freaking cool. I'll do that. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. We just found a new species of dinosaur out in Utah. You want to come map this? Um, hell yeah, that sounds cool. Um, wait, let's go to Colombia and wrap a, a site there. Yeah, South America is awesome. Let's go. Um, so I, it is. It's a huge struggle that I have right now about where do I go? What do I do? Um, it, it, ultimately, I'd love to figure out a way to get some good funding and get multiple teams together um, with some good people that I can put on a team to be in charge, get some more equipment and be able to go out to four five, six different sites in a summer and have individual teams working on each one. And I get the freedom to kind of float between the five of them and enjoy all five instead of just being able to enjoy one or two hmm. um, and still get everything done for the people that they are asking me to do. That sounds like the dream. I love it. <laughs> well, you did you mention are hired. You all know how to work, <laughs> you know, surveying equipment. So I, that's it. That's all you need to know how to do. Well, speaking of equipment, that actually is my next question. Um, what does a paleontologist Segway. toolbox look like? I mean, besides a map and a GPS unit, what else, what else do you uh, take along with you? Uh, usually snake gators. Cause wherever I'm walking, there's a lot of rattlesnakes. So we don't want to get bit. Mm-hmm. Um, usually an hour helicopter ride to the closest hospital. So I uh, like to be safe. Uh, rock hammers, uh, chisels for larger uh, um, boulders that may be in the way, um, paint brushes, uh, screwdrivers, scalpels, dental picks, glue, uh, aluminum foil, Ziploc bags, um, you know, a field, a field book, um, hmm. uh, and you know, you- just to write notes in and things as I go. Uh, so it's pretty basic. I can fit just about everything I need in a backpack and throw it on my back and go for a you know four-day hike and and be pretty well taken care of. What exactly do you need glue for? You will break them. Um, oh, they are extremely you. fragile. Mm, um, real brittle. Very brittle. Uh, very fragile. As you take them out, um, you know, basically everything that's kind of holding that fossil together is the sand that's been compacted around it and lithified around it after deposition. And as you remove that, it's removing that pressure. So you look for any uh, visible cracks on it and put a little bit of glue in there to stabilize it um, and and try and keep it as intact as possible. But um, a paleontologist says he's never broke a fossil is a liar. Um, 
because they, they will break. Um, and, and as I was taught from, you know, my mentor and as I teach other people is, is if you're going to break it, break it in a way that it's recoverable and repairable. Hmm. And Make sure to, I can find all the pieces and glue them back together. Not to beat a dead horse on this glue thing, but it's not like Elmer's wood glue or something like that. You're using. No, it's a, it's a cyclocytic super glue. It there you go. Instantly on moisture. Of course, it's a cyclocytic <laughs> super glue. Who knew? <laughs> um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> It is extremely uh, uh, fast curing. Uh, if you were to put a drop on your fingers, it would cure within about a second and a half to two seconds. Oh, my um, hands would be. You will glue yourself to fossils. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I laugh. Uh, you know, lots of stories of people gluing bones to themselves and like, oh, I get to keep it now. No, no, no. We're going to cut your finger off. <laughs> I need some of that glue around my house. <laughs> I, oh, it's. It fixes everything. Wife broke some Christmas ornaments, glued those back together with it. It's fantastic <laughs> stuff. But it, um, about a 16-ounce bottle costs you about 80 bucks. Wow. But it does last forever. We need to go into the uh, cyclosonic glue Cyclosetic. And that's not even the correct way to pronounce it. It's it's way more complicated than that. I don't even know. Don't rely on us. Paleontological. (laughs) It's the world's worst super glue. It really is. It's instant curing. It's and uh, once it it hardens, it's without a solvent, um, you can't really get it apart. So, Hmm. um, you know. It is. There's a lot of fun stories. Um, I uh, uh, last summer I glued a guy to a picnic table um, <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> One of the interns I was working with was getting a little, uh, you know, a little out of hand, so put a couple drops on the bench and had him sit down, and we sat there for a while. Yeah, we do the same thing to Jake once in a while. Keep him on his toes. Yeah, when he gets out of line, we just glue him, <laughs> glue him to his seat. Glued timeout. <laughs> Oh man, we go on for hours, man. I I would love for you to come back sometime with some of your uh, paleontologist buddies and like talk some about some really good specific stories. Would you be interested in doing that? Oh, absolutely. I, I love talking to you guys and anything I can do to promote the the science. Um, I'm in. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got some some crazy stories. Um, you know, one time I was actually uh, uh, a complete and attacked intact alna from a raptor which um is the predecessor of modern birds uh hollow bones very fragile i literally sat on that alna all day unbeknownst to me until i got up with my broom and started sweeping all the dust away i'm like hey wait a minute what the hell is that (laughs) and i pull it out and it's still in one piece i'm like you know my my 200 pound plus ass was sitting on this all day and i didn't break it (laughs) <laughs> you know, apparently I got to quit wasting my time with these brushes and dental picks and you now because I break that stuff when I'm working there. I didn't even know this was there. I didn't even break it. Get after so. it. Oh my God. That's so funny. So you said you downloaded a few episodes and you've listened to us in the past. Uh, so, you know, this one's coming. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by and caveat for this one? You can't mention beer, brats or, or cheese, cheese curds. curds or the Packers. Yeah. No Packers. No Packers. No Aaron Rodgers. Wow, jeez, you're tying my hands now. Um, His mantra was going to be "Go Pack Go." <laughs> you know, one thing I say every day before I head out to the dig site is, is with myself and my interns or whoever else I'm digging with is, you know, let's go change history. Mm, I love that. Rewrite it. Uh, today awesome. could be the day that we change history. We could find something that's never been found before, or a new species, or 
some kind of pathology on a, a fossil that's never been seen before. So let's go change history today. Oh my God. That's huge. You know, as a lot to carry there. I'm almost speechless. He goes deep. He does, no <laughs> doubt. So Tom, um, we've covered a lot. We've covered pretty much everything I was hoping to get out there, at least for this first episode to talk about paleontology. We're definitely going to have you back. We're going to go into the weeds a little bit more, no pun intended, on this stuff. Is there anything maybe we haven't talked about that you want to get out there? Um, you know, we have covered a lot of ground. I've talked about a lot of stuff. I, I feel like I've run on it the mouth a little bit. Uh, like I told you guys before the show, eventually you will say what a self, a grindy, uh, you know, grandiose a-hole he is. <laughs> Just talked about himself for like an hour. Not at all. Um, That's these the whole point of These things are difficult for me because I hate doing it. I'd rather talk about the science and everything else except me. Um, cause I, I do believe that I'm a very, very tiny part of what is a greater uh, goal than I will ever achieve in my lifetime. And hopefully I can find some other people that are as passionate as I am um, that share the, the vision that I have to, to get as many people as we can involved in the earth sciences. Um, and ultimately that's, you know, uh, besides finding really cool freaking dinosaurs, that's probably the second biggest thing that's important to me is getting as many people as I can involved in the earth sciences to expand our knowledge and, um, quit losing out on extremely great, intelligent talent that's around us that we're losing to other fields. And mm. if they only knew there were options in the earth scientists to still work with technology or chemistry or, or whatever it may be, it, it, if we can quit losing those great young minds to other fields, um, I think our understanding of our planet and our environment um, changes exponentially as fast as technology is right now. I can't top that. No, not at all. So all I'm going to say after that is thank you, Tom, for being here. Um, we have enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. I think you nailed it right there at the end. So, uh, shoot, you got anything else, buddy? No. I'm, I put a bow on it. Wrap it up. I'm, I'm, I'm covering Jake. Put PJ. a Christmas bow on it. Yeah, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love Way it. Way to one-up me. All right. <laughs> That'll do it, boys. Yet another awesome value-adding friend-making show. A new friend. New friend, indeed. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. <laughs> Download The Geoholics app from landsurveyorsunited.com. I just did that, actually, because my app was outdated. Mm -hmm. I went to landsurveyorsunited.com and redownloaded it. So... FYI, send us an email at info at the geoholics if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show, sure show, or if you'd like to take the last highly coveted friend of the program spot for 2022. It's open. We don't want to have to Trent Keenan get another spot. Yeah. <laughs> what do I got to do to be a friend of the show? Details to follow, Tom. Hold on a second. <laughs> Last but not least, please support all our amazing friends of the program every chance you get, just like Diamondback Land Surveying. Be sure to mention that you're a geohawk for those deep, deep discounts. Pay it forward. Add value, make friends. My Chemical Romance. All I want for Christmas is shoots. Available everywhere. Be a good elf. <laughs> Until next time, everyone. Merry Christmas, and most importantly, be safe and healthy. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, 
Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com. Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com. Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, MonsonEngineering.com. Nettleman Land Consulting, NLCPrep.com. Parkland Community College, Parkland.edu slash surveying. Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies, TigerSupplies.com. Trimble Geospatial, Geospatial.trimble.com.